Welcome back to another episode of 8020 Optimize Your Life. Today, Savon and I thought it would be prudent to have a conversation about death, have a conversation about losing a loved one. Now, when we say loved one, we literally mean anyone that you love. This can be family, this can be someone that's blood, this is going to be someone that's not. Um, we just want to talk about what the collective experience known as death looks like in this plane and how you can navigate it and how uh, you can keep on keep on keeping on amidst losing someone close to you. So, um, let's start with how prevalent death is. Mm-hmm. How often we lose people. Um, I think that it was brought to everybody's attention during what's going on with coronavirus that uh, death is something that is real. I think we've escaped for a while potentially. Um, it's easy to escape from uh, death being something that that could, so to speak, plague your life uh, because if someone very close to you hasn't died, it's easy to kind of write it off. Um, when I was younger, I lost my father at 16 and lost a handful of people after that. Uh, and I believe we have some, some shared experience here. You lost some individuals close to you. Uh, let's start with, I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts about how that how that shaped the time in your life that you were going through, how, how that shaped you, your character, how you operate, uh, the trauma it caused. Let's, let's start there. I know we're going to kind of be all over the place here. Uh, it's a sensitive subject, but I think it, it makes sense for us to go down this path um, because it could provide benefit to individuals that might have had a, a more recent um, experience with death Absolutely. And, and be struggling. Yeah, yeah and I think that's... Um to just reiterate that that is really the, the the hope and the goal of this particular uh, episode is just to, as two people who have navigated and kind of got to the other side of the visceral nature of losing somebody that you care about, you know, and life continues. You know what I mean? Life is still wonderful. Life is still amazing. And in the middle of one of those sort of circumstances, if you lose somebody, I think depending on uh, somebody's demeanor, that can be lost. Um, so in my situation... Uh, my sister, my older sister, she was about seven years older. Uh, and technically, she was my half-sister. We had the same father. Uh, never really lived with each other that much, uh, but saw her frequently enough, you know, every month, every you know other month, something like that when I was younger. You know, sometimes those younger years are a little fuzzier. Uh, and then when I was older, we lived together. She was a senior. I think I was in fourth grade or something like that. So we lived together for about half a year. And then she moved out, you know, and then similar things, saw her every few weeks, every few months for a little bit. But um, that particular situation was the second time losing somebody. Now, prior to that, uh, my great-grandfather, who we used to live with when we were younger, he got sick and then he was in hospice in the house and he actually transitioned in that same house that we lived in. Uh, So that was an intense experience, but I was maybe five, six years old, seven, something, something like that. And it was really just seeing the people around me and, you know, here's somebody who had always been around and then they're not. And that was kind of my first experience, I feel like, with death. Uh, so it didn't really impact me too drastically at that time. And so with my sister, you know, because I think it everybody's impacted differently based on how it happens, right? Uh, sometimes you literally get a phone call and, and you, you get the news that somebody's gone. Uh, and in both of our situations, it was more like a slow burn. You know, somebody gets sick and then it kind of prepares you for that possibility as opposed to when it's very abrupt. And personally, you know, 
there was, it was kind of just one of those moments where life doesn't feel real. You know, it's kind of like something happens. And me, I, I was more of the detached type. Uh, and I was detached for different reasons, you know, jumping between houses, my, seeing my mom, mom leaving, seeing my dad, dad gone, you know, so it was kind of just like, oh, you know, she just won't come back, right? And initially, it, like I said, it just felt like it, it wasn't real. You know, she was in a car accident, and then she was in a coma for several months. And, um, you know, we were at this, uh, anyhow, she was in a coma for a few months, and then one night, you know, it was getting pretty bad. We went to the hospital, and that's when the decision had to be made to leave her on life support or take her off. She was taken off. She transitions. And the next day, I went to school. I went to see a movie that evening. And, um, you know, but in that situation, I felt like what was most difficult was it was a couple of things. One, it was this, uh, this feeling of what wouldn't be, Right. Uh, and I mean that in the sense that there being such a large age difference between myself and my older sister, I have an older brother as well, I'm the youngest, and they had a much closer relationship. And so when she passed, to me, it was kind of like this, damn, you know, well, I'll never have the relationship that they had. You know, we'll never really have that bond because she's not here for us to do that. And the that led to its own difficulty in where I, for years I created this resentment to my brother because I felt like being the younger brother, you know, sometimes the older siblings are together, and they're like, hey, go on, you little rascal. You know, we got older sibling things to do. And so um, I had this resentment for him for years. I never really communicated it. Uh, and our relationship before that wasn't really the best. And so that, uh, that was one of those unique situations where all the dynamics, you know, have an effect on uh, how somebody processes it. But uh, the, the second effect in both of these, there's a purpose to me going into this detail. But the second order effect was seeing my dad. Right. The the natural order of, of events is, you know, not for the parent to lose their child. Right. The parent has a child. They all age. And then, you know, best case scenario, they just transition because they hit 150 years old or something. And they're like, you know what? I'm tapping out the game. 150 years is good enough. Yeah. And you usually know, oldest to youngest kind of thing. Exactly. That's how people think about it. Yeah. And so that was very and it was his firstborn child. He had her when he was 17. Uh, you know, that was his only daughter. And seeing how it affected him, he went to a pretty dark place, um, you know, depression. And I'd never really been around depression or, or really had to play with that concept. And so in hindsight, it kind of gave that perspective of how precious life is. And I feel like most people, they always hear that. But it's like life is precious, but relationships are also precious because life on its own, it's like, you know, amoeba is living. You know what I mean? But it's the connection that people share. You know, not to overstep, but presumably, let's say that you never met your father, right? Would it move you the same way if you hear that he passed? So it's not the life in and no. of itself. It's the <laughs> no, connection. No. And as I got older, it was this realization that, okay, at any moment in time, somebody that you're connected to, something could happen. Something could happen to you, something happened to me, right? Or something can happen to the one that I love, so if there was some uh, resentment I was holding, for instance, to my brother, you know, or if my dad was in a dark place, depression, right? You can't be so overwhelmed with the negative affect of the emotion that you stop living life before you actually passed on. And I think that that is a hard thing for some people to, to get over 
because obviously there's going to be a strong feeling, a strong emotion. Everybody processes things differently. I basically just withdrew. I kind of suppressed it. It's like I just didn't really process that it happened. It was one of those things like, well, I didn't really see that much anyway, so, you know, I'm just never going to see her again. And then it's like there are periods in my life where I would forget that I had a sister. So it's like that's some pretty intense suppression. And everybody responds differently. But I think if people keep in mind, it's almost like what would that other person want? You know, the person who passed on. Would they want you to stop living life? Would they want your relationships to deteriorate because you were so distraught about what they were dealing with? I think not. And so, yeah, I'll bounce it back to you before we kind of jump to the next layer of like how does someone best deal with it? But, you know, those, those are kind of the main lessons I got was just point blank, period. Life is, you know, is precious. And as such, you know, if there's a dispute, if there is a disagreement, if there is a rift between you and another, even if the, the relationship comes to an end, maybe do your best to reconcile so that at least reconciliation is taking place and there can be some degree of closure if you never saw that person again, whether that's because you never crossed their path or because they transition. Um, and I'd say that was kind of the, the main, uh, one of the main takeaways for me. Yeah, I mean, death is... Death is something that... Uh... In this meat sack, you can't you can't escape. You uh, you won't outlive it. You won't be able to break its ankles. You you cannot get away from it, regardless of how much you try. It, it will you will come to pass at some point. Um, it is something that is difficult. Uh, I think for a man to deal with as well because it's out of your control. Um, it's something for me that that when I was younger rocked my sense of direction, my destiny, my capability control to control where I'm at. A little backstory for those of you that don't know and uh, kind of in part why we decided to go down this path. Uh, my father, so my father died of stage 3B colon cancer that uh, metastasized into lymph nodes that then spread throughout his body. And, you know, the actual cause of death was... Um, Organ failure at the end of the day, cancer technically doesn't kill you. But um, it was an experience for, I guess I was 12. I was almost, so when he, when he passed, I, it was like two months before, about two months before I was 17. Uh, so I was 16. And he battled for about three and a half years. And a little bit of uh, more backstory there. Father was a Marine, 25 years, was running 10 to 15 miles a day, crazy fitness. Um, and out of nowhere, one day I get a call when I'm playing church basketball. We used to run that league. Um, I got a call from getting, when I showed up there, that that he had had something go on uh, when he was walking up the stairs. And, and out of nowhere, he was now... The, the doc called at, at the hospital and said, hey, you need to come to the emergency room right now. Uh, we've got to do emergency procedure. And that started uh, the three-and-a-half-year stint with, uh, with cancer. And from there, you know, the last couple of days of his life, it didn't feel real. I intentionally, it was not, it was not my body trying to, or my mind trying to push it away and trying to deny it. It was me intentionally trying to pretend like it wasn't happening. I was on a, uh, a leadership development weekend the week before he went into a coma. 
um, for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I was looking at going to the military, so I was up in North Georgia. Uh, and when, when I came back on that Sunday night, he um, he had a sit down and had a talk with us and, and went over. My dad um, had a ton of, of faith. He was uh, a very strong, strong believer in, in Christianity and that, you know, he was going to, he was going to transition to heaven and, you know, his purpose on, on earth was fulfilled and that he was being called home uh, by the Lord uh, from his own words. And it was interesting on that Sunday, it was <laughs> probably the start of, of uh, bold face denial for me um, because about 45 minutes after we had a conversation and he hugged us and, and kissed everybody's cheek, he fell into a coma. And for the next 72 hours, he sounded like a broken air conditioning machine making all kinds of noise all over the place. And it wasn't until Wednesday, not very much long after that, that um, he too in a hospice bed in our living room said that he wouldn't go to the hospital, uh, that he was gonna, if he was gonna be taken, it would be in the comfort of his own home. Uh, and it was a surreal experience was the last person to touch his arm, uh, and it, it changed me. But from there, I went into the bold-faced denial phase of, no, this is not real. This has got to be a dream. This is not something that happens. And But I put on a face that, no, I knew that this was that this was just meant for me, and you know this is my future, and I'm just going to continue to live, uh, and my dad would want me to do da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But frankly, I mean, after he passed, I started drinking heavily. I started drinking a lot. I started partying a lot. I started pretending like everything was okay. I used that escapism to run the other direction. And it's not something I would recommend for anybody. It is not the way to go. I actually had a, uh, a very not so fun run in with the law when I was 16, about a month and a half, right before I turned 17, um, because I was out doing stuff that I shouldn't have been doing. Um, and, and all of that to say that I do not believe that if he hadn't passed that I would be the same person I am today. And so I'm thankful that I had the amount of years that I had with him. I'm thankful that I had uh, a father growing up. I had a, an, an example of, of the man to be, how to treat women, how to treat others, how to lead with a servant's heart. I don't believe that I would have the same outlook on a lot of things had I not lost him. I don't believe that um, I would view women the way that I do had I not had him in my life. I am very thankful for having had him. However, I think I've reconciled with the fact that it was something that needed to happen as I was on my journey at, at, that, at that age, and I didn't understand it, and I broke down six months later aggressively when I gave a speech at a, at a funeral of a friend of mine that passed away in a hot tub. Some things, some people, some experiences are meant to uncover things about yourself. Uh, they're also they're also very visceral recommendations or nah, not recommendations, reminders that um, life is precious. But again, I, I agree with what you're saying. Not life is precious because we're living, because if there's no interconnectivity, then what the hell are we doing anyways? But life is precious because you don't know this could be the last time we record a podcast. One of us could be gone tomorrow, tonight, the next day. So are we going to not 
try to pour our whole ass into this, the collective shared experience here, the interconnectivity that we have and the things that we're, we're interested in, the conversations that we could go in, are we not going to put aside differences even if they come up? For the, for the betterment of the relationship because that is why life is precious. So I only go to, to all that detail to really just represent the amount of growth that the death of my father brought me, but it didn't happen in six months. It didn't happen in two years. It is, what's today? The 12th of May, 2021, it happened when I was 16, I'm 26. It took 10 years to get here, to be able to look back on the experience and understand that, hey, I don't know all the reasons, but I have been shown a few why it happened the way it happened. Um, and actually, I believe that without that, how would I be able to, to give advice, to be a support, to be there for other individuals that go through this later? So I know that's a lot and it's kind of all over the place, but it is... Death is something you just won't escape. I know we, we love to we love to think we can. We won't. Not in this plane. No chance. Yeah. yeah uh, before we recorded this, I told James, like, we got to end on some type of high note, man. This can't just be sad shit, you know, but... And we've got some time. We're not, we're not trying yeah, to... No, no, no. We're definitely not ending right now. <laughs> but I think... You know, because I'm really just trying to stay mindful of the person who asked you to, to maybe go over this topic that for that reason, knowing that we're all going to transition at some point, you know, sure, it's people out here who are on this futuristic shit, oh, I'm going to live forever. It's like, I, maybe, but I doubt it. You know, I feel like life in and of itself will find a way to make sure you don't live forever. Maybe you live longer, you know, maybe that's a thousand years instead of a hundred, but, you know, at some point. You know, a car can have a million miles on it. At some point, you're going to have to lay that baby down, you know. And um, and I don't think, and this is something in the black community that is, uh, I notice is we, we, we don't have funerals. We have home-going services. And they're often viewed as these celebrations of life. Mm, that was going to be my next question. Yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, because I've been to, to funerals for, you know, for folks that aren't black, you know, and... Oftentimes, it's very stoic. It's like people are discouraged from crying, from sharing their emotions. And I think that that's part of what can create these blockages that never really go away. Or they take years to go away because the person didn't allow themselves to feel. And as you were talking, it, it actually reminded me of more of what actually were kind of the, the next steps after my sister passed. And there was a lot of anger that got created, that I didn't really draw the parallel between, but everybody responds differently. You mentioned you started partying, drinking, right? There's all different ways people find to cope. And typically, I find that there's a higher proportion of coping if there is a lower proportion of expressing that feeling, letting it flow outward. Yeah. And I think that is one of the biggest differences among communities is that some communities, it's kind of like it happens, people die, move on. And then you have the other extreme is where people don't ever move on, and they're just sad every day, and you walk in their house, and you know there's this shrine to somebody that passed, and it sits there for 20 years. And I think both are unhealthy. Because if somebody's gone, the fact of the matter is they're gone. They're not here anymore, physically. 
And so to just simply remind oneself every day, uh, granted, there's that other balance of to keep somebody's spirit alive, but you don't have to try to keep their spirit alive for their spirit to stay alive. Um, and I think that in some instances, it actually causes people more grief than if they were to just simply express how they felt, process it, and then let it go and move on and focus on the living and not the lived. And uh, of course, that's easier said than done, but it's, um, it's a process. And, you know, ultimately life is here for one to live. And, and for that, it's hard to do it if you're focused on the death. Uh, because the death is just a moment, but life is 99.99% of it. So why focus more on that 0.001% than you do on the, the life lived? So um, that's the other thing. Celebrate people while they're here, man. To your point, it's like, you know, we see each other every week, right? And I, we, we, we forced that through an accountability group, but it's not like we did that because we're like, oh, one day we're going to die, <laughs> you know? But I had this realization, you know, even this past Mother's Day, there were people I grew, grew up with, their mothers, you know what I mean? One of my aunts that I don't think I have my, my adult life ever have told her happy Mother's Day. And it just hit me different of like, yo, you know, like express that you care about people. One can say, don't wait till Mother's Day to, you know, say something. But just that idea of telling people you care about them now. You know better Mother's Day than, than they pass and you never say it. Exactly. And too often, I think people, they wait until some, some, some moment when it's too late and that person can't hear you. Maybe their spirit hears you, but they don't hear you to communicate how they really felt about them, whether it's just a friend you got a lot of love for, whether it's a colleague that you got a lot of love for. People get weird sometimes about that word love. Very. I throw that, I've, I've thrown that word love around much more in 2021 and, and been not flippant with it, but mm-hmm. been intentional and made sure that individuals that I love Regardless of what type of love, I mean, we can go into agape and da da. da. Yeah. Like, there's a there's many types of love. The arrows. Mm-hmm. It's not all the same, but if you have love for somebody or you love somebody, you need to make sure that they know. Yeah. For no benefit of anybody's except for them understanding. Mm-hmm. And they're it. hearing it while they're here. Yeah. And you're not waiting until you have to, you know, draw a mirror on the wall because you never actually took the time yeah. to care about somebody while they're here. You know, because some people. It's like they might feel that you care, but it's just amazing if you, you know what I'm saying, just texting somebody out the blue, like, hey, man, thinking about you. You know what I'm saying? Miss you. You know what I'm saying? Let's catch up. You remember uh, when Garrett was on and he said to take your phone out and scroll mm-hmm. and stop and say something? I think it's the same kind of sentiment. Yep. Um, reaching out to people that maybe you're not up with every week. Maybe you're not, maybe you are the individuals that you have resentment towards in your family or in your past, or what mm-hmm. have you, you don't need to um, you know, open up wounds all over the place, but there are probably people that don't know that you foster resentment towards them, mm-hmm. that love you, and might question it sometimes, but they've never heard from you, or mm-hmm. they always have to reach out. Yeah. Could be something to look at. I mean, people... Another point here is that people people are dying every day. People die every day. I think that you know coronavirus and a, a few other things more recently have uh, have made that very apparent that that life can be taken from somebody. But with that, I don't think that it, it should turn anyone into Chicken Little uh, running around with their head cut off. I think it should, in fact, just open up the door for you being more intentional. 
intentional with your time, intentional with your love, intentional with your words. Understand that, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt is bullshit. Yeah. Truly what you say might be the last thing that somebody hears forever. <laughs> and you might throw hate at somebody and then you die. And now they feel, now you've left them with guilt because they didn't bring it up to your attention and you're not here anymore. You got to show love. Loved ones is not confined to blood. It's mm-hmm. not confined to romantic partners. I have very, very much love for people that are in my life that I spend a lot of time with. You and AJ on Sunday, a lot of love. Someone that I see consistently every week as well. Maddie, a lot of love. My partner right now, feel feel a lot, a lot of, uh, let me say like. <laughs> Why you do it like that? He loved you too, but you know, like you said, it's a lot of types um, of love. Don't don't hold it against him. But it is, uh, I'm being funny. But <laughs> I should go set get my, you, boy. Set myself up for that one. Yeah. But I have a lot of love for everybody that I spend that I spend time with consistently, that I intentionally spend time with consistently. Um, and it is, I, I've, got, I've got love for somebody that I work out with a good bit, you know, mm-hmm. old Jake, even though he's an interesting cat. Yeah. I got a lot of love for him. Um, there is, there's something to be said for, for making sure that you let them know that you love them before it's too late, but not because you feel like you have to, mm-hmm. because you should be, affirming them. You should be reaffirming them. You should let them know that they matter to you. You don't know who, who's struggling with what. You don't know who's lost someone recently. You don't know who hasn't shared with you that they might be losing someone soon mm-hmm. from some prognosis or diagnosis or something going on. Or those individuals that are struggling with suicidal thoughts. Yeah, it's Sometimes it's helpful just to let somebody know that they have support, that they have people in their corner that care about them or thinking about them and want the best for them. Because in times like these that we're living in, some folks don't don't quite know that. And a simple, hey, thinking about you, hey, let's catch up, you know, can make all the world of a difference. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have too much else. I don't wanna, I don't wanna beat a dead horse out here, but I, I believe that, you know, making sure that those in your life Know that you care. Know that you love them, um, and uh, and showing up for people. If you give someone some of your word that you're going to be there for them, you got to show up when uh, when your ticket's called. You know, when your card is punched, got to show up. Don't be throwing that around flippantly because uh, that will uh, will definitely leave a lasting impression on somebody. In a negative manner. So, yeah, not all sad out here. Nah, definitely not. We celebrate life, baby. We celebrate life. Absolutely. And there's lots of life to be lived. So, you know, let's stay in the land of the living and keep on living. Absolutely. Thank y'all for coming out. And uh, we will see you next episode. Amen. Peace. Peace.